welcome to the Bob Priest Show of Life podcast. I'm your host, Bob Priest. Thanks for tuning in today's show. This podcast is dedicated to individuals and professionals who desire to learn more about the subject of health and wellness, as well as alternative technologies to better health and vitality. Let's get started. Good day and welcome to the Bob Priest Show of Life. I'm your host, Bob Priest. Today, my guest is Trent Brock. Trent is originally from Louisiana and considers himself a slightly redneck Southern gentleman. He graduated from college with an MBA in information technology. Trent says he's always been one of those people that continually challenge himself. He loves to go to new places, have new experiences, and try things not done before. He traveled around the U.S. for five years as an IT consultant, took a break and lived in Spain for a year teaching English, attempted to learn Spanish. He says that was a bit of a disaster and traveled around Europe on the holidays. Then he went back into IT and ended up in settling in New Zealand for over 15 years. So Trent, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here, Bob. I really appreciate it. Well, I I loved uh, getting to meet you last week and having a conversation with you. And you're a pretty diverse uh, gentleman. I I loved your your comment about your slightly redneck Southern gentleman because... (laughs) You're definitely a Southern gentleman, for sure, in our conversations. I don't know that I'd say you're redneck, but, you know, I come from Southwest Virginia, so I guess I'm yeah. probably a little redneck, too. But, um, yeah. So, Trent, it really sounds like you're a man of many talents. Tell us a little bit more about your story. Gosh, well, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm originally from from North Louisiana, and, um, you know, I, I've always, you know, I'm, I'm just... I'm pretty, I'm a pretty regular guy, right? I'm, I'm five foot eight, I'm 160 pounds. It, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I'm not like, you know, super good looking, but you know, the things in life for me that, that I can make choices over is what I do. And that is things like the ability to be nice and polite to people, it, you know, having an attitude and how are things going to affect me and, and, you know, and, and what are my choices of, of how I'm going to deal with things? So, it, you know, I was into sports when I was a kid, you, you know, my dad pushed me to be into sports and um, I love football, basketball and baseball. And, uh, you know, those that, you know, that teaches kids a lot of things to be a team player and, and, you know, how to practice and to work towards a goal and a lot of those things. So, um, yeah, you know, and I, and, and I studied really hard. I knew early on, you know, that I wasn't going to be a professional, uh, you know, sports um, player of any of anything. Right. So I knew I was going to have to use my head and um, I'm not super good in the classroom. Um, I'm not super smart, you, you know, by any means, but I'm a hard worker and I studied really hard and I had really good grades. And I graduated, I think, two, two or three or something like that in my high school class out of like 600 or something. So. Um, anyways, went off to college and uh, college was awesome. I um, I got a degree in biology and chemistry. I thought I wanted to be a doctor and uh, I took the MCAT interest exam. I just, I, I'm not good at standardized tests. I bombed the thing several times and that w- I wasn't going to get in. So I backed up. I got an MBA with the IT emphasis thing because that was the hot deal uh, back then. And I knew I could make some good money doing that. 
So, um, you know, that was kind of that was kind of my thing. I graduated from Dallas and I knew I wanted to I wanted to get paid well and I wanted to travel and I wanted them to pay for it. So I was <laughs> traveling. Yeah, I mean, that was my thing. I wanted to see I wanted to see the states. Right. Or I want to see the world. Why not you know, let, and, let somebody else pay that for you? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and it was a great gig. I, I loved it. it was a lot of young people, super energetic, very smart. You know, we, we would come in, we would install these huge software systems for these large corporations. And, um, you know, we, we'd hang out together. And then uh, the thing that was so cool was if we could find a plane ticket or, or you know, our expenses that were cheaper than traveling home, they didn't mind because they were saving money. So then on the weekend, I could travel somewhere else instead of going home. And so me and me and my coworkers, they, we would get together and, you know, once or twice a month, we'd go to New York City or, you know, we'd go to Philly or, you know, Chicago or whatever. Right. And and so yeah, I did that for about five years and I traveled around and, and got to see all the states. And I kept saying, guys, I wanted I want to go international. You know, my plan is, OK, well, I've seen everything in the states. Now, can I get them to pay for me to go international? Well, they kept saying it, but it never happened. And I, you know, and this was a real pressure cooker, uh, you know, super stressful, you know, kind of deal with these large corporations and everything. Sure, sure. And I had enough, you know, I had enough and I needed a break. And I said, you know what? I'm going to Spain. I'm going to try to learn this Spanish deal. And and, and I'm telling you, that's that's probably about the <laughs> second most difficult thing I've ever tried to do. And I taught English. I got my English certification and I taught English and I did that. I thought that was that was great and fun. And then I saw everything in the history books, right? And uh it, you know, and then I had yeah, right. I mean, you know, I get to the Eiffel Tower and Big Ben and Rome and uh, you know, all the stuff, right? And so um I had the international travel bug then, right? So um at that point, it, you know, I decided, okay, well, I've done it here and I'm not gonna really the Spanish thing whatever. And uh, so I decided, let me go down under for a year because eventually my plan was to come back and work with my dad in the oil field. And um, so that was kind of the long-term plan. He said, hey, go down under, get this out of your system and come back in here. So um, I I tried to get into Australia, very difficult, um, you know, needed sponsorship, didn't have the time to wait, but I could get into New Zealand. And I thought, okay, next closest place, let's try that. Actually, it, you know, it, you know, it, it was a much better option in the long run that I can see looking back now. Um, so I started back in IT again. It's an island, right? It's a big, huge island, island kind of culture. It's laid back. I knew that. I knew my IT skills were well ahead of what they had down there. They pay well. And I was went in as a contractor, a hired gun on my own, man. And I was screaming. So I did that for several years. And um Eventually, the opportunity my dad just didn't work out. So I'm kind of lost a little bit. What's my long-term plan? What's my long-term goal? And um, so I met these guys in the boxing gym. And they these American guys, they had come down from Washington State. They were training for some fights. And I train in the boxing gym. I, I don't really do boxing matches or anything, but I'm a train. I love to train. I love all that kind of stuff. I love to keep fit. And these guys are cool, man. I mean, they're boxers, right? right? And so I got to know their, I got to know their manager. And he said, Hey, you know, we after after we, you know, I took private training from him. Afterwards, we would um we go eat dinner and we just clicked. We got along. And he said, Hey, look, you know, do you want to start a weekend business? I do market kettle corn at my in my home state of Washington during the spring and the summer. And you know, we make good cash on the weekends. And I thought, 
Why not? I, you know, let, let me see if this is worth it. So we put some money together, got some cookers made, bought some tents, and we started going out. And man, it took off like wildfire. So was and, that something that wasn't in New Zealand? Yes, correct. That's exactly right. You, you know, and, and, you know, I'm not smart enough to invent something. Okay. But I am smart enough to know that if these people over here lo love it and these people here don't have it, why don't we give it to them? That's, that's simply awful. I mean, that's how simple it was, right? Yeah. And New Zealand is, was very behind and still is in some regard on things. And, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. And I thought, well, heck, man, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a win. So we did that for several years. And, and uh, finally, the supermarkets and the cinemas approached and they said, hey, we love your popcorn and we want it. But you got, you can't do it in this rinky dink you know, plastic bag. We need a real bag. We need a shelf life bag that can last for six months. So this moved us into manufacturing. And, you know, it's really this kind of rags to riches story where, you know, we're, I mean, we, you know, we started out with like, you know, a little bitty scale and we're cooking the popcorn like we do at the markets and we're shoveling it in and we got these bags and we're trying to weigh it and pour it in and pour it out. And then we got a foot sealer and we're hand sealing and we had like five of us. And we worked for like 10 hours and we made like 500 bags of popcorn. Okay. And we launched, we launched into about seven cinemas, right. With about, you know, five cases or a couple hundred bags of popcorn each or whatever. And, uh, and that's how we got going and it took off. Right. And uh, so currently now today we've been in business 13 years. I've got two factories, about 15 staff. And um, I can't even tell you how many popcorn products I have. Um, we supply all of New Zealand, uh, parts of Asia, the Middle East, and and the Pacific Islands. So that's um, that's, that yeah, that's awesome. uh, that's uh, you know that's kind of that's kind of my uh, professional life story part. You know, in, in in a nutshell, if you will. That that is really interesting, and and you know, I guess you were probably in your mid twenties or something when you. We're doing the IT thing. You had just come out of college. And yeah. and so you were doing the, the career path, going down a career path, and which we all do. Yeah. And um, kind of a little bit like me and in my life, I got a little restless and wanted to try something else and ventured off and ended up starting a couple of different businesses and so on. Uh, but my background was in education. I taught too, and then ended up going back into that for a long time. But man, that's pretty interesting. And now... You're the kettle man. <laughs> you know what? They call me popcorn man in New Zealand. Popcorn you man. Know? I mean, how could anything be sexier than selling popcorn, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and especially if you're known for that. So that that is so yeah. cool. That's and that's it. a great story. And you were in the Appreciate right place it. at the right time. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, really. And yeah. and it's also, you know, I think another point too, Trent, is that you had an open mind and a great attitude to succeed. Mm -hmm. And that that got you there. So well. Yeah. And I, you know, you know what, Bob, I'm just not a quitter. I just don't quit on anything. And uh, I think, I think that comes from my parents and, and, you know, I think the sports thing, you right. know, cause there was some times, right. That you wanted to quit. And, you know, I, I mean, that was the last year I played baseball and I, and I decided this wasn't for me. And I knew, I knew after about the second game, my folks were like, you got to finish this out. You started it. You got to finish it. Yeah, and my, uh, my I just have that. My first experience like that was on a paper route when I was a kid. Okay. And yeah, I, you we know, all had those. I was going to make a paper route and it was a lot tougher than it, than it looked when, you know, I initially looked at it, but oh, I wanted yeah. to quit. I wanted to quit right about time winter came around. 
Oh, that makes sense. My dad said, nope. He said, you uh, committed to this and you're going to follow through. Great, great uh, teaching at that point on my dad's part. So Trent, I understand back in 2019, Mm -hmm. you started experiencing some personal issues. Do you care to explain that to us? Yeah, well, um, you know, this is where I really begin to to learn about myself, to be honest. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I'm working in my factory and I lead from the front, right? I train my guys, you know, I am the owner and I do everything from, you know, popping the popcorn to making the orders to going out and selling. And that's, it's a small business and you wear all the hats and I'm happy to do that. You know, I'm a utility kind of guy. So, you know, I start limping around the factory and um, it, it's on my left side, kind of in my butt hip area. And um, I just, you know, I went to two or three doctors. It just wasn't getting better. And, you know, I never had it. I've never had any health issues. I just kind of worked through things and uh, just kept getting worse and worse. I went to three or four doctors and um, they kept, they all kept telling me the same thing. We think you've torn one of your glute muscles. Okay. Well, I mean, this is over about three months and it just got worse and worse. And I'm telling you, like to the point where um, I, I would finish work, you know, I'd probably work about a 10 hour day. I finish work. I go home and get in the bed and I didn't get out of bed till the next morning. And that's not like me. I am very, I am high energy. I got lots of energy. I don't sleep a lot. And uh, I went into the, to the hospital to get some blood work done. And the hematologist just said, look, there's something going on and we're going to do an x-ray today. And we kind of argued about it. And I said, okay, I'll get an x-ray, whatever. And I thought I knew better. I thought, well, you know, everybody's told me I've got this torn butt muscle. Well, a week later, as the cliche goes, I got the call to change my life. And this one really did. She said, look, you've got hip cancer and you have about a quarter inch of your pelvis holding your leg bone on. Every step that you take, you're in danger of breaking your leg. If you do that, the leg is coming off. We can't save it. Get to the hospital right now. When you get here, when you get here, when you get to the door, get a wheelchair. She's like, how are you going to get here? And I said, well, I'm going to drive. And she's like, okay, you're at your own peril. So I showed up and this is where it all started, right? And uh, so this is over. It's public health care in New Zealand. And, uh, you know, for, for Americans, you would think of something similar to the VA and we've all heard you know kind of about the VA well I haven't been in the VA but I can but I can comparatively I can tell you I think the VA is much better okay and and so um it is what it is right everybody in New Zealand I'd say 90 percent of the people in 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 New Zealand they have public health care why why would you have anything else you know they the the public health care system does everything. You pretty much get everything paid for. You pay for it with your taxes. Okay. All right. So, you know, I was no different than anyone else and didn't really have any health issues ever in my life. So this starts this cycle where, you know, they do these x-rays and they say, we're going to put an implant in and it takes a couple months to prepare the implant. And then we're ready for the surgery. And, um, and then we, you know, we, we, we do the next x-rays. Well, the cancer's progressed. The implant won't fit. So and I'm assuming you're having to stay off of your feet because of the possibility of that bone breaking all the way through. Yeah, it, it was, you know, I was in and out of the hospital 
on several occasions and um, even in and out of a resident uh, nursing home for some time, it, you know, because I just can't sit still and I got a business to run. You know, so, um, you know, nothing happens quickly. It takes weeks for things to happen. And I and I can't and I won't and I don't lay around. Right. So, you know, I mean, they would check me in and I would be there and then I would get fed up with it and I would check myself out. It, 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 a point, it There was a point where I was in a wheelchair. Um, it got so bad. And, um, it, you know, I mean, that that's what it was. And so, you know, towards the end, about the third time through. They. um they said, Hey, look, you, you know what? This has gone too far and we're going to have to take the leg off. Mm -hmm. Well, I lost it. Right. I mean, I just lost my composure and, you know, I'd gotten to the point where mo on most of my calls, um, most of my appointments, my folks would be on, on the, on the speaker phone, you know, my support group after the, after, mm -hmm. um, after the, the appointments we would talk, you, you know, and all kind of, you know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, how these things go, right. You right. go in there, they tell you something and you black out, you blank out because they've told you something you don't even know. And then you think, well, this is like a life threatening, you know, I don't even know what we're talking about. Right. So I figured that out after two or three times. And so anyways, and my dad just stepped in and he said, look, you're not cutting this guy's leg off. You've been promising us for six months. You're going to you're going to do this and you got to figure it out, doc. You don't know this guy well enough but he is a fighter he is not a quitter he never quits on anything and if there's anybody that's going to make this work it's him and the doc said hey look i can't guarantee anything you, you know what it, it's probably just going to be a stump it, i can't guarantee feeling functionality i can't get i can't even guarantee you we may have to remove it in the surgery he got about a 10 or 15 percent chance when he wakes up it's going to be gone and my dad said we don't care we you know leave it and so um, that's what happened. And so we had the surgery and, um, you know, we removed the cancer and, and that went okay, but the thing got infected. And, um, you, you know, I had about six or seven more surgeries to get, to try to get rid of the infection. Never, never got it. Okay. And, uh, you know, I pretty much healed up. I was on my back for um, four months. Well, I was in the hospital four months. I wasn't, I was on my back literally for two months. I wasn't allowed out of bed for over two months. Wow. Um yeah. I, I mean, I was like, I was like, you know, like a guy like you, that's not a good, good position. It was tough. I, I don't know how I handled it. I, I really don't. You know, my parents were there with me and, you know, they clocked in and clocked out like, like, you know, they were, it was a job. They were there eight in the morning till six or seven, every single night, every single day they were with me. And, you know, I mean, Hey, we watched movies, we watched games. We, we, you know, we had pizza night. We, you know, we tried to do what we could do. Right. You know I mean? So, um, Got through that, right? Got through that. And, um, you, you know, the thing that happened was they were like, look, we've, we've taken out so much of this that, um, that you, you, you know, it, it's, you won't get an implant. And, and where you are is where you are. And your leg is going to be shorter than the other one. So, you, you know, I, I've kind of, since we're, since we're doing a, um, you know, since we're, we're doing this on video, I kind of have some photos and pictures. And I thought maybe we would try a few of these. And I think visuals would help some people. Okay. So this kind of gives you an idea of, of what like the surgery looked like. So this is basically from my, from my belly button to my spine and halfway down my leg, they, they, they cut me open. And so this gives you an idea of, of what they, what they did. So you can see, right. Right. On that left, on that left side, there's no pelvis, right. Yeah. It's gone. 
but they put a little wire here to help the leg from going up. So what, what, it, what ended up happening was to compare, okay, that's what a normal shoe looks like. Well, that's what my shoe, the first level you can see. And over time it migrated and it got to be a couple inches. Okay. So this is what I'm dealing with. Like you're on yeah. crutches for the rest of your life situation. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'm still here. You know, I'm not dead. Amen to that. Yeah. This was like threatening, right? I, I mean, he told me if we don't get this, you're going to be dead in six months. Right. So, okay. All right. Fine. Get back to work. And, um, and I had my next scan and you wouldn't believe it. Pancreas, pancreas and lung cancer on the same scan. Okay. Oh my goodness. Well, all right. You know, I mean, this is, you know, the roller coaster as we go. Right. Right. And, um, so obviously the pancreas thing is way more important. So COVID it hit, they locked us down, you know, like caged animals. And, um, <clears throat> I had the pancreas surgery. It went okay. But in the debrief, they're like, Hey, look, um, we want to congratulate you that you didn't have cancer. And I'm like, okay, well, but what, what happened? Right. Cause they removed half of my pancreas and my spleen because they had cancer. Well, it ended up being a blood clot oh. and yeah. And so they misdiagnosed me. And they couldn't give me any common sense answers as to why they had gone through with the surgery and, and couldn't tell that it wasn't cancer versus a blood clot. And, uh, hey, this is public health care, right? You yeah. can fill out a complaint. There's no consequences, right? They don't care. So that was a bittersweet thing to, to, to do. I, I, have, I have a compromised, you, you know, my, my, my health is compromised for the rest of my life based on this mistake, right? Okay, whatever, let's move on. So um, I go in and I, I go in, I have the lung surgery and uh, that went fine. But then the next day when they're inspecting it, guess what, this is infected, okay? So now I've got infected and then about a few days later, the um, orthopedic surgeon that had done my hip found out that I was in the hospital and I had decided, you know what? These guys have had enough chances. I'm not doing anything else with them. I'm just going to live with this. And this was chronically infected, okay? And I'm telling you, every step that I take, every time I move my leg, every time I get in and out of the car, every time I roll in the bed, every time I try to sit down, stand up, anything, I am in pain. I am talking chronic pain. And, and just to kind of give you maybe a visual, you know what it feels like when you have a splinter in your finger? Mm -hmm. Then you know what it feels like when you have a splinter in your finger and it's infected? It's going to be even more hurtful. It, 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 it's it's way Big worse, time. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so this just gives you a slight idea about what I'm dealing with over over a year, okay? And um, and so the doc came in, and, you know, I'm obviously, you know, under, you know, anesthetics and well, the, the pain medication. And uh, he said, hey, look, we want to go in and take out that wire. We think that's the cause of the infection. I mean, I don't have anyone there. My parents can't come to the country. It's locked fucked up. My friends aren't there. I'm all alone. I just kind of went on with it and said, yeah, okay. So they went in and they took out the, um, the, uh, the wire, but they had a junior doctor do it. And he botched me up really bad. Um, he calls me and he calls me a surgical hernia, 
where a section of my bowel it, it eventually grew over, which they mo most most surge, plastic surgeons can't even believe that it happened. But you know, by the grace of God, it did. Um, I so I had a part a section of my bowel, probably about you know like the size of a sausage, that is hanging over my waistline. So my bowel is hanging over out. Uh, it caused me bladder issues to where I have to go to the bathroom at about every two hours. Doesn't matter if I'm asleep or awake. Okay, and um, and it was still infected. Okay, never got over that. And uh, this this two week stay in the hospital turned into over two and a half months because I've got an infected hip and I've got the same size incision that I showed you. And I've got an infected lung and um, it's a bad situation. Right. Mm, goodness gracious. So yeah. So after two and a half months, you, you know, the lung healed up. The leg never did. I've got a vacuum pack thing on my leg. Um, I've got a, you know, and, and when I get up, I'm on crutches. I'm in the same situation that I was. I can barely get myself to and from the bathroom. My days consisted of wake me up in the morning, get me in the chair. I'd sit in the chair until nighttime and then they would get me back in the bed. Okay. And the lung surgeon came in and he said, look, somebody needs this bed worse than you do. And we're dispatching you tomorrow. And I also had an IV in my arm where they were doing IV antibiotics to try to get rid of this infection, which we never did. And so, um, you know, I got, I got one, two, three, four things going on here. And he said, you're leaving tomorrow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's uh, that says a lot about that. Uh, I would call maybe social health care. Yeah. That's what it is. That's yeah. what it is. So, um, so I'm like, okay, well, and, and so the nurse came in, packed me up, put me in a taxi and sent me home. Okay. Man. And um, yeah. And so I, I, I had, I had flatmates um, and, you know, one of them just had a lot of anxiety about the, the COVID thing. I mean, you know, they scared the crap out of us. Yeah, Zealand, yeah right? they did for sure. And uh, you know, I mean, we're locked down like caged animals. Well, I was allowed to go to my factory because I was an essential food product because the only place in the country you could get food was at the supermarket. And if we didn't make food, how are we going? Right. Okay. So I, I was allowed to go to and from my factory. And this was a major source of contention between one of my flatmates and I to the point where we quit. We, we could, we could quit communicating and talking. Okay. And uh, so I had no help at home. I wasn't allowed to go in any of the common areas of the house. Couldn't go in the kitchen, anything. And so it's me in my bedroom and my ensuite, and that's it. Straight in the door, that's 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 it. And here's the thing, you can't move because they can't show apartments right. because we're locked down, okay? It's not a good situation, okay? Yeah. So You were stuck between well, a rock and a hard place there. Man, I, I mean, you know, this story gets even better, okay? Even better, but I not in a good way. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I figured out, okay, I had been on methadone when I had the initial leg surgery. And they use that as a pain control management tool in New Zealand for people that have immense pain. And it is a great tool. The issue with it is it's highly addictive and it takes a long time to get off of it. Uh, in in the states, we know that it's used mainly for people that are on, have been on opiates or heroin to, to get right. them off of that. Right? It has a really bad reputation, but I'm telling you firsthand, great pain management tool. Well, when I left the hospital, 
the first time with the first leg surgery, I didn't think I had any issues because I because they kind of stepped me down off of it. And I didn't think, well, I didn't even think about it. Right. So I left without any any pain med pain medicine. Well, after you know, two or three days, okay, I'm having like crack addict sim crack addict symptoms, like the hot, the cold, the sweats, the anger, the frustration. I mean, I am beside myself. I start having anxiety, suicidal thoughts, it, you know, like violent thoughts. And, and I and, and after about three days, I'm like, what's going on? You and were major messed up, weren't you? I was. I, I'll tell you what, Bob. But uh, everything I've been through. That was the worst thing. I cannot tell you how hard it was. I mean, I had terrible suicidal thoughts. I mean, and here's what, and I, and I have to back up just a second, okay? One of my best friends about nine months before I had initially gotten cancer, one of my best friends owned the restaurant that we went down to, at, you know, the local cantina, and we went down there, and that's where we hung out on the weekends and whatever. He got sideways, and uh, he went out and he committed suicide. The next day, while I was while I was calling Mexican bingo for him in his restaurant. OK, and uh, that's the thing that kind of saved me. Like, I can't do this to anyone. I, I know the pain that he caused. I can't do this to anybody. Right. And so, you know, that kind of saved me from actually doing anything. But I was I, I was you know, I was in a bad way, man. And, you know, it was very hard to get the methadone. It, it is a very controlled substance. They don't want to give it to you outside of the hospital, but they had dispatched me from the hospital. So here again, I'm in this middle. I, I'm, I'm just in this gray area, right? And I got to the point where, you know what? These people are treating me like a crack addict. And, um, and, and the pharmacy is very difficult with me to deal with. I just, you know what? After two or three weeks, I just did it the hard way, man. And I know what it's like to be addicted to something. And if you have ever been addicted to something and you have kicked it, man, I'll tell you what. You're a tough dude. You're a tough person, man. You got a lot. You got a lot. You got a lot going on for you, and you should be yeah. proud of yourself. Because I'm telling you, man, that's the worst of the worst of everything that's happened to me for sure. Wow. As far as being able to deal with. So I got over this, okay. And now, before, uh, before you go on, yeah, okay. You, you've had numerous surgeries. Oh yeah. You've been told you had cancer. Then you were told you didn't have cancer. Then you end up having another kind of cancer in your lung. Yep. And then you're back and forth with with kind of inept doctoring going on oh, yeah. numerous times. Mm -hmm. And you're in a system that uh, treats you very much a, a, as a lesser than person when it comes to really taking what you had going on serious. So they want to throw you out of the hospital. And now you're dealing with stuff not only from that, but also at home. And then you've got a business to run yeah. and you're trying to learn how to walk or, or communicate or, or get in a wheelchair or whatever. And you're also going through a drug um, withdrawals. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're a pretty tough dude, Trent. I, I mean, I don't want to sound arrogant, but you know what? I thought I, I used to think I was tough. But I'm really tough now, and you know you what? Found I'm, out, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. The, I'm by far the toughest person I know, and um, you, you know, it just is what it is, man. And you know, and that's part of the reason I'm sitting here with you today, Bob, is because you know what? Somebody needs to hear this, and 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 you know what? I'm not. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I mean, this isn't a paid gig. I'm doing this because I learned through everything. You know, my most important mm -hmm. thing to me used to be money and success, right? 
for me. And I figured out that really it's, uh, it's about helping others. And, yeah. and, and then, and then all that other stuff will come, you know? Absolutely. It, it, yeah. And it's so, about, so that's my focus. having a servant's heart. And, yeah, and, and you know, the thing I like about number one, your sharing of your story, because at the beginning you told all the good stuff, yeah. all the things you got to go do. And then all of a sudden life changed, but in our conversation and your stories that you've been telling, you still have the same attitude. Now I'm sure you went through some real challenges at points and when you hit the low points and you had to really talk to yourself some. Oh yeah. Hopefully you've you talked to a higher being that would uh help right. you through all that. But yeah. um how how important was having the right attitude and the right mindset to get through all these different levels of of challenges that you went through. Well, I'll tell you what. It took me a long time to get the right attitude. And um, I want to, I want to just, I want to just tell you this one other little piece. Okay. And then, and I want to tell you this one other little piece, because this is kind of where the turning point happened. All right. And, um, and then, and then I'd like to get into sharing some of like the tools and the things that I learned that could be helpful to some of the other. Great. Things. That's, we want to leave some value. Oh, yeah, that's what I am all about. You know, let's hear this terrible story. But we came out the other end and hey, here's a couple of things when I'm in this spot that can help me. Right. Uh Um, So. All right. So I'm back at work. I'm doing my thing and I get my next scan. Well, this time, no, you do have pancreas cancer. No, no, no. You really, really do. And uh, so when they found it, when they found it, it was about the size of a nickel okay <laughs> on the scan and guess what i had this same pancreas doctor they wouldn't give me any other doctor this is my guy right and um so over several months you know he and i argued back and forth i wanted radiation he wanted to cut it out if you cut it out it makes you diabetic i'm not going out diabetic i already made my mind up like that so i wanted a biopsy because they wouldn't do a biopsy the first time and um and, you know, so I, I finally got a biopsy and over several months of appointments and biopsies and everything, the thing grew from this to this. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So it had grown. It started growing into my stomach. And and I got smart enough to where I was getting the scan reports, right? I'm reading the scans myself. Not that hard to read measurements. Okay. And the report said that this tumor is growing into your stomach. So I'm like, this is getting serious right. and I can't wait around any longer. So I, I went to a private radiology guy and they said, look, this is, this is, this is too far. We can't do surgery. It's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's too risky. We can't do radiation. We can burn a hole through it and you can bleed to death. We, we can't, we can't do anything. And I said, so I have no options. And he said, we won't do anything for you. And uh, I said, so I know that it's less than a 5% chance to make it with treatment from pancreas cancer. So you're telling me I'm going to die from this. And he said, well, you may make it. And I said, sir, you're telling me I'm going to die from this and I'm not even getting treatment. And he said, well, I can't do anything for you. So I left and went home and a couple of weeks, you know, I kind of sat around the house thinking, okay, well, and and in and in, in about the same time I went to an oncologist as well, a private one. He gave me a year. And um I'm like, you know what? I'm locked down here. I'm locked in here. Um, I can't get insurance in the States. 
I'm I'm not going to go home and bankrupt my parents and die on them. Then they're going to be broke and sad. The worst is, you know, that's worse than just being sad. So, you know what, you guys, I'm going to do the best I can for a year. I can't travel anywhere. The whole world's locked down. I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I'm going to make my business the best I can. And uh, when I when I die, send my body home. And and then, you know what, my dad and I started talking and we figured out that there's a loophole in the system. Um, it, it, you know, through some of some of the you know things that change with the laws of medicine, even with pre-existing conditions, you can get expensive, but not you know bankrupt you insurance. And so, you know, I researched that, and I was on the phone with my folks one day, and the despair, and um, and and, and you know, um, the hopelessness, and all the things that 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 I could feel that they felt. And, and the guilt that, you know, and, and you know, I mean, it, that I felt I was putting on my family mm-hmm. and my parents and everything I'd put everybody through. Sure. And, and 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 about a year before all this had started, one of my best friends, my brother's best friend, my aunt and uncle's godson, at, at 38, died of, died of cancer after about a two-year battle, left his wife and kids. So I'd seen two of my best friends in about the last year and a half, I'd seen their parents bury him. And I said, you know what, man? I ain't going out like this. I'm not. So you start fighting. I don't. I decided I'm going to fight this. I'm a, I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to, you know what? If you don't quit, you win, right? Because I, I at least, at least I know that if I go, everyone's going to know that, man, I went out on top with my dignity and I didn't go out until my last breath. You know, and yeah. and then and so I said, you know what, I'm going for it. So then this kick, this kick, this kicked me over, right? Yeah. So I started, you know what, because I was just kind of hanging in, man. I was kind of hanging in, you know. Well, and I decided, I mean, what else could you do at that point? Well, so I decided I'm coming home, and we're gonna fight this. You know, we're gonna fight this together with my family, right? So um, I came home. And um, I went to the local radiology guy and, um, you know, he said, look, by that time, softball. Okay. Well, he said, look, if we don't get this, this is going to kill you for sure. Let's zap this thing and see what happens. So we zapped it. And uh, I'd wait a couple months. We got it. We got it. And um, then I did some immunotherapy and, um, and, 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 you know, so that, you know, they're really worried about me having further cancer and, you know, that's kind of the, the new thing instead of chemotherapy. So I went through that and um, so I overcame the cancer and then I had the infection in the leg and I, I got some treatment here um, with some IV antibiotics they didn't have in New Zealand. We kicked that. And um, currently, uh, and then, and then, so my next thing was I need to find, I, 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 I want to walk again. I am so tired of being on crutches. It's been four and a half years. Okay. I am on, I have been on crutches or in a wheelchair 40 times longer than someone that has broken their ankle that is on crutches for six weeks. It's a long time. I want my hands back and I'm so tired of people saying, well, what happened to you? Did you break your ankle? You know, and, and I don't want, and I'm tired of telling my story. I just want to walk into a room and be like everybody else. Right. And so I've been on a mission to find a, a, someone that they've all told me it was infected or, or, you know, there's no real estate left. We can't do anything. 
I've, I've researched all over the world. I've been all over the country and I found this guy at Mayo that this is what he does. And I am in a, I am in the middle of a three, four step procedure over, over several months and surgeries where they are putting in a, the, a permanent titanium, the most customized, largest hip implant that has ever been done to date with procedures that they have never done before. And I am, I'm going to be walking this time next year with no walking aids. And, um, and, and, and it's going to be, it's going to be in the medical germs. So, um, the, you know, so this is, this is kind of where I'm at right now. And, um, so, uh, I want to share a few of the things that, 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 that I've learned. Right. And, um, so, I knew that we had to go after this in a several pronged approach. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I have a little acronym that I use and it's called, um, the M webs. Okay. That's your mind, will, emotions, body, and spirit. That is what encompasses all the bits and pieces of human being to me. Right. So the will thing was, well, what do you want? Well, I decided that I wanted not to die. Well, why? Because I want to, I want to outlive my parents, right? So I had my want. Okay, big boy. So now you figure out what you want. Well, how are you going to do this, right? And so, you know, the, the, the body part is the, the diet and the exercise. That wasn't, that was the easiest part, right? That's just self-discipline. Right. And a little bit of education, right? You change your diet. You start getting back in the gym. You start doing the yoga. You start doing the things that you know you need to do to get back activated, right? And, you know, that helps this too. Sure. But the hardest part was this, because I'm practical. I'm just a common sense guy. I had, I've had five, uh, I've had over five physicians tell me, you're going to die from this. You're not going to make it. I have a report telling me that you have a year left. How am I going to beat this, Right. I knew I had to convince my mind that I could because I don't care about percentage chances. All I needed was one chance, right? And so I had to, on a spiritual level, right? I had to renew my mind. And I am a Christian and I believe in God and Jesus and miracles and, 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 and healings. Well, I never had an instant miracle, but I can tell you, I have been healed and healing takes the process of time. And I would listen to miracles online and, you know, and podcast and self-help. So I wasn't at work. I was doing something that was a positive influence in my life. Okay. Everything negative. I cut it out. Friends that were negative out, gone. Anything on TV shows, the news stories, anything. Right. And I became, I, I would visually put myself. So if I saw a movie, and there was a superhero movie. I was a superhero. If I watched a story, if I watched a story and the knight in shining armor saved the day, that was me. That was me. I heard somebody win the lottery. I did. I won the lottery because I'm going to beat this cancer. And I just continually pumped it in there, you know, all day and all night. And I would listen to things repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And I would put it on and I put it on repeat and I would play it all night until I woke up in the morning and I would be saying it or if it was music and I would get on a song, man, and I would listen to it 20 or 30 times in a row to the point where I would wake up in my sleep. I would be singing it. Right. <laughs> I'm, and this is how, this is how I convinced myself 
And I, I find stories of people online about how somebody beat cancer that had no chance to do it. And I'd say, if they can do it, I can do it. That's right. If one person can do it, That's so it can man. somebody else. That's how I did it, you know? And, and so that, and, and so, you know, spiritually and mentally, changed my emotions right and changed my feeling and i knew that's what i had to do to to fit to to convince myself i could win and there's a couple other things right so a couple other kind of analogies that i like to use for people right so you know this thing this life thing man it's heavy right living and dying that's a heavy deal to deal with but everybody talks about hey it's the game of life well it is and for me it was a football game Okay, so I turned it into a football game and I love I, I don't mind practicing. I don't mind working hard and I don't mind doing those things. So I'm I'm in preparation with all these things that I'm doing. Right. All these podcasts, all this self-help, all these mental things, the meditations, all this stuff. Right. I'm practicing. And then, you, you know, but but I'm also in the real game. And hey, you know what? Every play, you don't make yards. Sometimes you use, lose a few a few a few yards. Sometimes you make yards. Right. But I'm in the third quarter and I'm about and I'm and I'm losing and I'm losing bad, but the game ain't over. Right. And so that's how I did it. And so, you know, I got three touchdowns that I'm looking for. I got to beat cancer. I got to beat the infection and I'm going to walk again. Well, I've got two touchdowns down now. So I'm winning the game. Right. Yep. And I'm about I'm about to win the whole game. And so that's how I did it. And you know what? You, you know, I'm not I'm not positive all the time. I can't be. I'm a human being. I'm just a regular guy, man. And so, you know what? Some days you need a timeout. You do. You know, you get some terrible information. You go to an appointment, you hear something that just knocks you on your butt. I'm like, hey, you know what? I can't deal with this today. I'm taking a timeout. I'm taking a day off. I'm not going to think about this. I'm going to go to the sidelines. I'm going to talk to my coach. And my coach may be my counselor, may be my family, may be my best friend. We're going to talk about this. We're going to figure out what the options are. And tomorrow morning, I'm going back in the game and I'm doing this play and we're going to get some positive yards. Hey, there you and go. That's how I, that's and awesome. that's how I did it, man. That's, that's how awesome. I did it. Man. There's one other. The, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, go ahead, Bob. You know, you just, <clears throat> guys, I wish you could watch Trent like I am. And uh, it's like he's he's just now getting to a point where he's getting ready to preach. Uh, <laughs> but But his attitude, I mean, Think about this, folks. Uh, he had his life was going in the, a trajectory that was exponentially up, and he had all these things going for him. He was traveling the world, and then then all of a sudden, when he starts this business that's really taking off, and boom, there's a, a medical issue, and then not only a medical issue, it it becomes complicated and becomes more and more and more and more. Can you imagine if that were you and how that would affect you and your thought process. I think about the same thing. I mean, I had a stroke and and it changed just the stroke alone changed the way I thought about things. And, you know, am I going to make it through this? You know, once you have one stroke, they say you have more than one and so on and so on. So I, I can't imagine with what you dealt with, though, because you were told multiple times you're not going to make it. You were told multiple times this is taking you out. And you could have chosen to accepted that, but you didn't. Mm -hmm. Man, I commend you for that. that that's, that is really important. And I think the, the biggest important thing you've said um, just, just recently, when you got and you started listening 
and associating and spending time with people that lifted you up, didn't tear you down, that gave you information that was life-giving, not life-taking. You were around people that you loved and trusted. So when they did give you advice or whatever, you knew to trust that. I mean, people, that's that's the name of the game right there too, is association with the right people. If you're always being pulled down, then it's time for you to reevaluate what's going on and get yourself in alignment in a different place. Now, Trent, I, after listening to all of this, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, was there anything okay. else that you wanted to share in that vein that you were talking about before well, I ask you the next question? Um, it, it, you know, it, well, I've got, I've kind of got probably two other little points here. So let's do that at the very end. Okay, go for okay. it. Yeah, sure. No problem. So sure. you have a great attitude. You have a can-do spirit. I'm curious. Have you thought about writing a book about your story? I'm doing that right now. Do you have a title? Um, I think I do. I kind of oscillate back and forth a little bit, but I have something kind of in mind. Yeah. Oh, well, let me throw out two that I came up with when I was reading. Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. This is a maybe. I mean, just this stuff for you to yeah. think about. Oh, cool. Um, Kettle Man. Kettle Man. <laughs> or Southern Gentleman. Or Kettle Man, the Southern Gentleman. Mm. And of course, you could change kettle to popcorn, but yeah. I think kettle kind of has a ring to it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. that I was thinking about that today yeah. when I was preparing <laughs> for our, our podcast today. And I like, you know, I always try to do that with everybody I talk to after I've listened to their stories and kind of yeah. got an idea where they're coming from. I try to come up with a book title. So, yeah, cool. Uh, cool. I like but it. Tell like us it. a little bit about your book. Well, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I started, I just started out um, doing these podcasts because I just thought, you know, uh, uh, anytime somebody hears my story, they're kind of like, you need to tell your story. And so I said, you know what, I, I'm deathly afraid of talking in public. I'm going to do this podcast thing. And um, I, I don't mind talking one on one. I, I feel very comfortable doing this in an interactive setting. And so I started doing that. And you know what? I, I've probably done about 10 or 11 podcasts now. And uh, I'll tell you, every one of them are like, have you written a book? And I'm like, no. And so well, why, why not? Why haven't you? And so I, I'm, I'm in the middle of doing that. And I'm also actually, I'm co-authoring a book with, with another group as well. So um, I've got a few projects going on. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I think that, um, I think that, um, you know, the Lord has me um, going in a different path now. And, um, and, and I, and I think that all this has happened to me because it, I, I need to tell this story and say, Hey, look, you know what, if you, if you've been listening to the news, you know, and you see those guys that have been in that little sub that are at the bottom of the world, yeah. you know, in, the, in, in, in this deep, dark, cold, lonely place and your air's running out and you think you're going to die. I've been there. I know what it feels like. Yeah. And if you, and we've all been there. Right. And you know what? I know how to get out of it. And I got out of it in a really, really tough way. So if you've been, you know, it's all relative. And hey, man, I'm not saying I've had the worst, the worst luck or the worst situation ever, but I've had a tough go at it the last sure several years. Absolutely. And, you know, and people, you know, I've, I've even included myself. I had a stroke, but my stroke wasn't near as bad as a good friend of mine's wife stroke that she had just a few months after mine. Right. right. Um, 
and and I've seen others that didn't come back from them. So you know, yeah. we we have to be grateful for where we are. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, the good news is when I went through that, it taught me some things about me. Oh yeah, I didn't really, I didn't know. I, I learned, and uh, I wouldn't be doing this today if I hadn't gone through that. That's right. So it That's changes right. everything. So yeah. you mentioned prior to me asking you about the book. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. you had a couple other pieces of, of value to leave our listeners. So let's talk about that. And then okay. we'll kind of wrap up today and let okay. you about your business. Okay, no problem. That sounds good. So another analogy that, that kind of has really helped me is, um, you know, people people ask me, they're like, well, you, you've had cancer three times. Aren't you worried about it coming back? And, you know, I had to think about that for a while because obviously, you know, the doctors even think it's going to come back. And you know what? I know it's not going to come back. And let me tell you why. Because also, my life is like a deck of cards. Okay? I got this deck of cards. There's only 52 of them in it. Well, I had some bad cards. And I played some of my bad cards. I had a rough hand that I almost didn't make it through. But I have flicked those cards off. And I got some new cards in my hand. And one of them was, you beat the cancer. One of them was it caused it. One of them was you beat it. Another one was, you know, I flicked another one of these off. Well, I got another one back. And so I can't get those cards again. They're gone. Right. There's only so many cards left. And so, no, I won't get cancer again. And so, you know, that kind of has helped me to say that's in the past. And I'm looking forward to what I'm fixing to pull off the deck. Right. And it's going to be better than it was because I've already been through it. And uh, so that helps me a lot to kind of not look so much in the in the past and dwell on that. But let's look about what's coming in the future. Yeah, that's excellent. And, yeah. And uh, the other thing is, you know, I believe very, very firmly in the power of speaking out what 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 you want. Right. You know, and I don't care if you believe in God or or a higher power or whatever. But I know and we all know. That when you say something, the universe hears you, because if it didn't, you and I, you wouldn't even be hearing what I'm saying. Right. So if you think something bad, that's OK. But don't say it out loud, because you know what? It, it's it's that easy. Right. People go like, you know, they start thinking about something. They start saying, you know, I'm a loser. I'm an addict. I, you know, I'm an alcoholic. Don't say those things. You never say those things right. because that's what comes true. That's what happens. You could say, you know what, maybe, you know what, maybe you could say something that just, just may I had a drinking problem, but I will never have one again, you know, and anytime the doctors would come in and they'd be like, you got pancreas cancer, man, and you're not going to make it through this. And I'm like, doc, I will make it through this. I am one of the five percenters that I will make it through it. And they look at me like I'm crazy and I say, you just booked the appointment. Let's book the appointment for next month because I'm going to come in next month and I'm going to look better. I'm going to be healthier. And when you see me, you're going to know. And they look at me like I'm crazy. And you know what? I'm still here. Well, you're not so crazy, crazy because, you know, even in, in the good book in James, I believe it's one five. It talks about being hung by the tongue. And there's been numerous books come out. I can't, I think the author of the one that's called Hung by the Tongue is Charles Capps. Um, but it is about what we say. Uh, it's what we speak. And it can be positive or negative. And um, and because what, what we speak, our brain hears. 
And when our brain hears it, it can't unhear that. So everything you're saying right now, Trent, on this podcast has been positive, uplifting, encouraging for yourself because you're listening to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But also you're saying that and our listeners are hearing it. Yeah. And if then if they do that on a daily basis, I listen to podcasts daily too. And they're always uplifting podcasts, whatever yeah. I'm listening to. I don't go listen to the junk where people are down downing people or downing situations. Don't spend much time on the news other than just yeah. to see what's going on in the world, then I'm done. Yeah. But um yeah. man, you you've been uh, an inspiration today. Awesome. I'm I'm so encouraged to have you on and and I hope we become good friends over the so years to come and stay in touch. Yeah. Um, tell our audience how they could reach you, a website, email, however you want to receive information. Sure, sure. Uh, I, I mean, you, you know, and, you know, I, I'm just I'm just here to help. Right. I, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything for financial gain or anything sure. like that. I do this because this is kind of part of my charity work. And um, and that's the way I see it. So, uh, you know, if anybody just wants to have a talk. Or, or just to shout or say hello, whatever, okay? Or if you're in a bad spot and you need a little help, I'm 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 happy to help you. So what's Trent, your cell? What's your cell phone number? Um, I have an international number. Okay. And so uh, most people are probably not going to get in touch with me on that. Okay. But let's, if let's you want to do that, yeah, if you want to email me, it's Trent Brock at yahoo.com. Okay. And my Facebook is Trent Brock. And um, my Instagram is Trent B. Brock. So, you know, you can hit me on any of those. And um, and if you would like to get in touch. Okay. And you said Facebook was just Trent Brock. Yeah, just Trent Brock. Yep. I'm Trent Brock. I mean, you know, I've I've got this shirt on right here. I I see that. Faith over over fear. Faith over fear. Um, You know, action cures fear. Faith over fear. All of yeah. those things play into our whole being and how we become who we become. Uh, yeah. Trent, you've been an inspiration today. I'm glad that we found one another. So and, I, uh, I hope that uh, we can have you back on again in a, sure. in a handful of months. Now, yeah. I understand you're going to go through a couple surgeries in the near future. Yes, sir. Um, we'll yes, keep sir. you in our prayers during that time. And thank you. And maybe uh, what we can do is touch base after you've gotten through all that and we can yeah. hear your story of a triumph and jubilation right. of all the things that have changed in your life at that point, too. I'd love to come back and share that I am walking. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Well, folks, um, thank you for tuning in today and listening to Trent's awesome story from ultimate underdog to overachieving overcomer. To learn more about me and my mission to educate the public about integrative medicine and other alternative healing modalities, go to my website, www.bobpriest.life. That's B-O-B-P-R-I-E-S-T dot L-I-F-E. And while there, read a blog or two and check out my podcast. Uh, Our podcast today is at its end. Uh, We'll say goodbye to you now and Hope to be back with you again next Friday when we land the next podcast. This one will air Friday at 9 a.m. So looking forward to having you guys listen to Trent's story. Goodbye. Goodbye.